Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Amy Wood. Amy's the CEO of Copper Penny Consulting. She's a best selling author, speaker, consultant, and coach. She has a background in healthcare information technology and has spent the last decade as a HIPAA educator, risk assessor, and data breach consultant. In this episode, Amy and I chat about her story and what inspired her to move in the direction of security. We talk about the difference between security and privacy when it comes to patient health information. And we also talk about this area of security and how it's a growing concern in the healthcare space and how we are quite vulnerable um, to have breaches and what we can do to prevent them. I don't know about you, but when I think about patient safety, my, my mind initially goes to clinical, right? My mind initially thinks about the clinical space. But this is a form of patient safety as well, and that is um, keeping our patients' health information and their identities secure. So if you are someone who works on the front lines like myself and has a basic understanding and wants to learn a little more, or if you are someone who has your own private practice and these are things you're considering as you're implementing a digital platform in your space, either way, this episode will be valuable. It'll be good to listen to Amy, um, have her share her experiences and insights. So grab your drink of choice and join us. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so glad you're here. As I was saying earlier when we were chatting, this is this is an, an area that I'm not too uh, keenly aware of. Like, I mean, I, I understand how to operate privately as a, as a healthcare provider and to respect confidentiality, but things like cybersecurity and privacy and risk management and all of this stuff, um, I can't wait to get into with you today. 
But before we do, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your story, and, and what inspired where you are today? Sure. So I had been working uh, in a very small IT company with my husband, and we had been catering mostly to private practitioners. We've been doing that since 2004, really long time. <laughs> Lots mm-hmm. changed in, in those almost two decades. Mm-hmm. And I decided to have orthognathic jaw surgery. I had upper and lower jaw realignment surgery and all kinds of weird issues. I rejected my titanium. I had tons of infections. I had two additional surgeries to remove everything. Uh, All of that aside, I got a letter in the mail uh, about two years after my surgery happened saying that the imaging center where my dental x-rays had been taken was acquired by the hospital across the street. And during that transition, the front desk person at the imaging center did not follow protocol. And she made an unauthorized copy of thousands of people's x-rays onto an unencrypted thumb drive or USB stick and supposedly lost it. And I air quotes that because uh, all of those images ended up for sale on the dark web. And Mm -hmm. in plain text on those images, it had my name, birth date, social security number, and my health insurance medical record number, which is still for sale today. Wow. So at the time you knew there was a breach, but did you know that this, that this had happened as well, that, that your identity was out there? Yeah. They they had to disclose that the information was compromised. Um, At the time, I didn't know that it was on the dark web. But since then, I got involved with various government agencies. I, I do work with Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, the people in, in the U.S. that investigate HIPAA violations. Uh, and I am part of a, a FBI cyber task force. And I, I just got my hands on every piece of information mm-hmm. that I could because I, I felt personally victimized and, and violated. You know, I, you assume that if you go to a healthcare provider, or a practitioner, even a private practitioner, that they're going to have it together, that there's a minimum standard that they're adhering to. And you trust them, not just with your own health, but with your information. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen for me. And it, it's not happening for a lot of people, unfortunately. And I decided if I can make this work for a small private practitioner and who doesn't have the same kind of budget that a hospital would have, then there's no reason that they can't do this. It, and it turns out it's really about a little bit of common sense, some reasonable and appropriate safeguards, and some basic business best practices. Wow. So what was that moment like, though, like when you found, like when you got the letter, you found that your 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 personal information had been violated and breached, and you were victimized, essentially, like before you even got into the moment of action, right, and all these partnerships, like, was there a moment there that you yeah, that you struggled a bit. There was a lot of swearing. Yeah. I sugarcoat it. Um, I, I, I felt violated. I felt victimized. I was, I was very angry because it was not my fault. Mm-hmm. I did nothing wrong. And yet I'm still having to chase after people trying to use my identity still more than a decade later. Wow. So it, yeah, exactly. So it's, it stayed along with you. And so I think randomly things can pop up then where people have, you find out that people are using your identity. Well, I have mine pretty locked down. Um, If there's a problem, you do a credit freeze. It's free now. I had it back when you had to pay for it. Um, But you do a credit freeze with all three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And then if you need to unfreeze it, you can do so temporarily. You need to Mm -hmm. refinance your house, get a new car loan, new credit card, anything like that. 
Um, but there's still things that seep through. So mm -hmm. someone tried to extend my cell phone account uh, mm -hmm. a couple months ago, actually. And because I had an additional passphrase on it and a pin code, they were unable to do so. Wow. Oh my goodness. So you need to educate us a little bit more because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a fr like a frontline worker, right? So I don't, I, I'm employed myself, um, but there are a lot of people who listen to the show who are in private practice as well. Um, and there may be administrators and executives listening as well of organizations. But um, can you kind of just take me back to the basics? And by the way, I'm in Canada. So for us, it's a different yeah. act. Exactly. Thanks you yeah. for Thank you for pronouncing it <laughs> properly. <laughs> I was worried I wasn't going to be able to say it right. <laughs> I, know, I know that one. I, I got this uh, kind of the gold standard of certifications last okay. year, and it's an international certification. Oh, nice. So we talk about PETA, we talk about GDPR, um, all of the ones in, in other countries. Uh, so I, I love what you have in Canada. I just wish it had more enforcement. <laughs> Okay, I hear you. So can you tell me like just basically now the difference between like as a provider, you know, we talk about confidentiality. And I, I guess for me, I, I mean, I, I document and I recognize it in documentation and stuff like that. And in the moment when I'm interacting with patients and whatnot and keeping that between ourselves, right? But yeah, from a security perspective, like there's a difference there, which I didn't really recognized before until we started chatting. So if you can educate me a little more on that. It's a huge disconnect because uh, as I was saying to you when we first met, when privacy first became a thing, it was about the early mid nineties. And uh, that just makes sense that if you go to a healthcare provider, your medical information, sensitive information should be kept private. And as healthcare practitioners, we all understand that. But once information became digital, there's this whole other layer with security and people just don't understand it. It's it's complicated. And the people that try to educate you on technology, they're they're the geeks and nerds of the world. And I'm I'm very familiar. I'm married to one even. So <laughs> I understand it's hard to understand sometimes what they say and deciphering what it is exactly is is also very problematic. So kind of understanding the basics of having good antivirus, having a good firewall, you know, updating your programs so that those patches are applied and, and having really, really good backups. I mean, those basics go a really long way. But what I see is that most people try to fight it instead of leaning into it. They, they don't understand it. So they avoid it and they back away or they, they try to check a box and say, well, but free antivirus will work. And it, it's not good enough. It doesn't actually stop you from being the easy prey that the hackers are counting on. Wow. And especially like I know, um, like lately because of what's going on uh, with, with Russia and Ukraine, like there's, there's been more heightened awareness of more potential data breaches and things like that going on. So that was the other thing I wanted to ask, like, how does the rest, like what's going on in the rest of the world <laughs> affect our security within our own practices? Absolutely. So especially for smaller practices, they are very vulnerable. 
add in COVID and everybody considers themselves a computer expert now that they've learned how to use Zoom in the last two years <laughs> and they're not a computer expert. <laughs> and so there's a huge difference between making something work and making it secure. So making something secure means you understand all the risks and vulnerabilities and the average user, the average person operating uh, electronic medical record systems or imaging systems or even appointment reminder systems, they're not going to have the full background and understanding of all the ways that those systems can be uh, compromised. Mm-hmm. And the people that are doing the hacking uh, are no longer the solo weirdos that live in their mom's basement. <laughs> they are well-funded. They're usually nation state sponsored. You know, And you mentioned Russia. It's very interesting. Everybody in the media is focused on Russia, even the government, all the notifications they send out, they're focused on Russia. Russia has been trying to hack us for decades now. It's, it's all about cyber warfare. But what's interesting about what's happening right now is Russia's busy. They're trying to invade another country. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're, they haven't changed a whole lot of what they're doing with their hacking. But what has happened is the world's eye is on Russia and in the meantime, we've got other countries like China, North Korea, they're attacking us like never before. So you can see um, through your work then where these threats are coming from? or where, Okay. So, okay. And so your background specifically is in IT though, right? And Not on purpose. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. I just kind of fell into it. <laughs> because because of what happened to you essentially or well we had i had been working in an IT company my husband and i built an IT company right. catering to small private practitioners in northern california and you know we just saw a lot of risk and vulnerability and we did not want our clients to become like that healthcare provider that had to notify all of their patients including me mm-hmm. that that's something that's largely preventable Right. And that's kind of what you're saying is that it is more preventable than we realize, but we got to lean into it rather than. So when you think about like, I'm even thinking about a lot of um, agencies that are creating electronic records for organizations. Um, There's a lot of private agencies doing that. There's a lot of private agencies creating digital platforms um, for patients, right, to kind of document their medical journey and story. And those are all private, and they're probably smaller companies or organizations. Are you noticing the same thing? Like, are you are we I guess at this point in time, are we noticing more threats than previous? Or is we just more aware? Well, it's a little bit of everything. Um, So there's user behavior. uh, So employees that are making mistakes or they're malicious or untrained or negligent. You've got people disposing of things improperly. Uh, You've got privacy issues, people just not paying attention to the training or getting poor training. And you know, the business associates, the third party vendors that you were talking about, that mm-hmm. has been a pet project of mine for many years. I, okay. I've been saying for years and years, it it's not going to be, you know, the HIPAA police aren't going to show up or in, in your case in Canada, the people enforcing Pepita are not going to show up yeah. <laughs> into your office. It is incredibly rare, but your patients could find a violation and turn you in and your third-party vendors are integrating with your systems and your patients expect that you've vetted all of those third-party vendors and, you know, making something work and making it secure to very, very different things. And salespeople want to sell things. Right. So being thorough as a, as a purchaser 
of, of these products or these systems yeah. being, they're, being aware that they've got that. They're that not all got, created equal. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I won't ask you for like, I, I'm not going to ask you to solicit or anything right, or to, to make your recommendations. <laughs> no, of course not. But I will ask where people can reach out to you <laughs> yeah. um, if they do want to consult with you at some point. But when I think of healthcare, like to do no harm, and I, I kind of talked about this in the beginning, and, and you, you touched on COVID, we touched on what's going on socially and economically out there right now, and how that's impacted threats and stuff. Are you you noticing, and even at a provider level, like myself, working still, um, although I don't own my own private practice, but still working on the front lines, are you noticing because burnout is so high in our industry, and it's only gotten higher, like, are you noticing more inattention, like you mentioned earlier, could be a reason? Yeah, are you seeing that in your consultations? Yeah, even with my own clients, I, I just got a call today from uh, I had a new employee training with one of my clients, and uh, one of the people attending said, "Oh, but the office manager is doing uh, personal browsing on the company computers. So why are you telling me I can't do it when she's clearly doing this, and there's mm. nothing stopping her from doing it?" And so you know. I, I see this. People have just forgotten, or they're careless, or just ignorant, or nobody's going to enforce it. Um, I don't really know what it is, but people are doing things that two, three years ago they would have never done. They're wow. just—it's out of desperation. It's out of you know high stress levels, and they're not thinking as clearly and rationally as they once did. Right, and that's kind of something I've been trying to touch on on this show is that sometimes we're physically present. We're still there, but that sometimes I wonder if we're still absent in other ways because of all of the stress and the fatigue and the exhaustion that that we have, you know, been enduring uh, this whole marathon of a pandemic, especially. Been yeah, fun, hasn't it? Right, I know, eh? So I know you've had a lot of action. Um, I have but- three daughters, so I I had uh, distance learning for a year oh, and a half oh um, while working and running two businesses, and wow, <laughs> and I was a germaphobe before COVID happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I've worked for patient care, so I yep. I know how germs are spread, and I was like, ooh, this. <laughs> It's really nasty. And I have pre-existing conditions in my household. Oh my gosh. So wow. we were in California, so we locked down really hard. Oh, yeah. 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 They were one of the first, I think, at the time. Yeah. You guys were <laughs> hit hard. Yeah. I remember that. Wow. It's, it's been special. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But you know, we do appreciate the work you're you're doing and your advocacy for educating. So you know, as a, as a frontline provider trying to be proactive and trying to be aware of this at the same time while trying to provide safety, safe care to my patients, but also, you know, uh, recognizing this as a potential cause of harm as well, if there is a breach. Can you share any like basic strategies or tips where people can just, you, you mentioned antiviral stuff earlier, but even more than that, can you kind of touch on or should people hire a consultant, like, you know, things like that, so that we know that we're following the right steps and that we are protecting patients on all levels sure. and ourselves? Yeah, so there's there's a multi-layered approach. So think of like your physical security for an office building. You would have a lock, a deadbolt, an alarm system. If you had anything that was important, you'd probably have it in a locked room or a secured place. Um, think of your 
digital security the same way. So you want to have multiple layers of defense, your antivirus, your firewall, your backup, encrypted email, but also, you know, on a higher level than that, you know, I break it down into three things. I break it down into people, process, and technology. And so having really, really good training. And unfortunately, most people go for the pre-recorded high volume kind of training that is not really applicable to their job role. Mm -hmm. And the best example, I have a friend that works for a large hospital and uh, we were hanging out together and she said, oh, hang on a minute. I need to go advance my, uh, my video for my HIPAA training. And after I picked my jaw up off the floor, I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and her response back was, but I've seen the same training 13 of the 14 years that I've worked for this hospital and it hasn't changed at all. And it has nothing to do with my specific job role. It's just the basics of this regulation. And so I've, I've seen that in a lot of organizations that they try to make it quick and easy and something to check off the list. Mm-hmm. When anybody that knows anything about education, if you get good quality education that's specific to your organization, dollar for dollar, that is the best investment that you can make in your team. Love that. And, yeah. and it's weird. It, it helps in so many other areas. It helps with human resources. It helps with team building and bonding. It helps with security and uh, government regulations. Wow. So yeah, I never thought it, I honestly have never thought about it that way. So what when you say the education, are you talking like intra organizationally? Are you talking um, bringing in, you know, I guess the people that are establishing? Yeah, the framework. Um, it could be all. either one. I've I've seen both. I've done both. Right. Um, you know, I've done specific trainings for dental offices and ophthalmologists and chiropractors, and I've done them for third party vendors. Uh, like I'm doing one right now for someone that does outside insurance billing mm-hmm. okay. uh, for individual practices. Uh, so that's that's a big thing right now. People are outsourcing a lot of their duties because of the labor shortage. I see. And so, and so then they're calling you in for kind of specific things like that as well. And do you also provide like general educational training for someone like myself who knows kind of like the basics? Okay. So if somebody wanted kind of an over, an overview, um, I I do work outside of healthcare too. So I do cybersecurity training and just basic security awareness training, uh, and risk management strategies for businesses. I even did one on how to communicate so you can decipher between or translate rather between what uh, tech is saying to you and to the C-suite versus the managers versus the end users so that everybody is on the same page about communication. It's it's a huge disconnect. And so you get a board of directors and they have no idea what, what the tech guys are talking about. So can you tell me a little bit, can you go into that a little bit? Because I'm really big on the communication piece, not like patient provider mostly is where I focus, but yeah, interprofessional too, Uh, especially if you work in a bigger organization. So from a tech perspective, they're going to say, well, this is a risk. This is a vulnerability. Um, This is why we need to spend X number, number of dollars in the budget this year on this particular program. and someone in the C-suite or board of directors, they're going to hear, it's costing me money and I don't really know why. 
Mm-hmm. And if they can change the verbiage to say, this is the risk and here's what downtime looks like in the, in terms of dollars. And here's the percentage wise likelihood that it will happen to our organization. If they could put it in terms that they understand, mm. uh, same with management, here's how this will affect your workforce. If you guys go and do personal things on the company computers. Here's how it will affect you guys that are actually using it day to day and, and the downtime you'll experience and not being able to deliver, uh, to deliver patient care. If you get ransomware and you can be personally held liable, depending on where you're at and what, what your policies and procedures say in the organization. So there's, there's a lot of ways to communicate this. You just have to know the language that they're speaking and that they, they are receptive in, and that's not an innate skill. That's something that has to be learned. Right. And that's kind of where you come in too, to, to help facilitate that, I would think as well. Translator. <laughs> yeah. So that's another one of your roles too. Um, so I also read that you're, you know, you're a best-selling author. So can you tell me about your book? Yeah. So, well, I did a collaborative book, actually this one behind me, the Innovative Women in Healthcare. And I wrote it with a bunch of other uh, healthcare providers in the US, all great in their own ways. Uh, and I actually have another one coming out later this year, uh, which is called Predictable Failures. Oh, wow. Love that. Oh, it is exciting. Yeah. I've rebranded everything I talk about as you're never going to be Fort Knox. You will never have the budget to be Fort Knox, but you can put enough things in place so that when a failure happens, you've predicted how bad it will be. So it's a minor inconvenience and not a major catastrophe. I I love how you put that. And it's almost like expecting kind of knowing that conflict can come, right? Mm -hmm. And preparing for it essentially. And I think that's kind of the basis of what what you're saying here with risk management, cybersecurity, ultimately, is we we have to be aware that it exists and that we're vulnerable to it <laughs> and that we need to educate ourselves and protect ourselves and, and our patients moving forward. Where can people connect with you, Amy? Our website is probably the easiest way to find us. It is copperpennyconsulting.com. And uh, we do a variety of things. We do education, we do risk analysis, uh, vendor vetting, I even do uh, data breach mitigation. Beautiful. And to to buy your book, where could people? Uh, That is on Amazon. And if you search for Innovative Women in Healthcare, uh, that's where you will find it. Good. So we'll add that to the show notes. I do want to ask you one question. I did read a stat because I was um, looking at women working in IT. And I think I I I read a stat that there was, I think it was between 20 and like 24% uh, of the workforce. um, Yeah, or women. So uh, I'm just glad that you're sitting here, that you're the one who's here on the show with me. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you did say that, you know, you did mention earlier that you kind of hustled your way to kind of get to where you are. It has been an uphill battle, I can tell you, um, because the mindset, we call it engineering brain um, in, in our circles, but the the engineering mindset of the, the tech-minded person, they tend to want to be the smartest person in the room and they want to impart all of their wisdom onto you, despite all our best efforts to say, I don't care, just fix it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, I love that you understand it to that depth. I don't care. <laughs> I love you anyway. <laughs> Somebody needs to be <laughs> be on that level. <laughs> right. But but what ends up happening is 
they are so used to being the smartest person in the room that they end up being condescending. Mm. And with sometimes without meaning to, there's a lot of mansplaining Mm. and, uh, I'm not a shy person. <laughs> I um, I have no problem telling people exactly how I feel. And if I don't say it verbally, my face will certainly show all of my emotions. That's good to know. I'm glad you're yeah. smiling right now. <laughs> no, no, this is great. But, uh, but no, there's, there's been a lot of that. And it's, it, there've been people that have tried to put me on the spot and, and make me look bad in front of others. Um, even during some presentations, when I've been speaking, I've had people make comments. And I, I remember one a few years ago where I had just said what they were supposed to do if there was a data breach. And uh, this person made a comment that said, well, but my lawyer said and contradicted everything I just said. And I've gotten a little better as I've gotten older, (laughs) a little wiser, a little more mellow. Um, But at the time I said, did you not just hear the thing that I just said? Because I just told you that even though your lawyer knew that information from 15 years ago, this is what they're expecting now. (laughs) Wow. And so, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of, um, pushback for gender roles, but there's also a lot of people that are embracing it. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the organization that, that people are in, but it is predominantly male. I applaud any women that want to go into this because, uh, cyber, especially we're understaffed. We need people that know how to do this and, in my opinion, I think women, we tend to be, oh, not me, but women in general tend to be a little softer and, um, and are able to explain things in different ways that people tend to understand a little more. Yeah. I was just going to say, so as not to generalize, but I think the communication piece, you know, women tend to be more nurturing, more empathetic. Um, people tend to expect more of that as well from women in their interactions with them. So I think I think, yeah, there would be a, a huge role for women to to um, to work in this industry, and and I think you're really making me so aware of the fact that, yeah, it is understaffed, but you're really the backbone of, you know, digital healthcare and what we do, and and digital healthcare is here to stay. So we we have to, um, yeah, we have to keep building it up and and maintaining the security. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. It was a joy having Absolutely. you. Thank you. Is is there anything else you'd like to share? Me too. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we sign off? No, this has been a lot of fun. Um, Really, all I'm looking for at this point is people to just stop doing dumb, preventable things. And a lot of this is really preventable. I, I just, I really wish, especially small businesses would embrace this and budget for risk management. Love that. Me too. Especially now after talking to you, it, like I said, it, it's opened my eyes. So I really appreciate you uh, being here and reaching out. Thank you. Thank you. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward. And I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jennifergeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.